0: Hello, welcome back to Scoops. Nice to be back in the studio after a couple of weeks off. Sadly though, flying solo today. Miss Post was a little tired. Almost a spring break here, so she just needed a little bit extra time to rest. Uh, but she says hello. She's excited about March Madness. It's a ball month. Not a ball night, but a ball month. A lot to get into today though. Again, Mr. Thomas is here with you flying solo again. So sorry, Adam, your favorite Co-host is not on and no special guest today, so you just get me monologuing. I think that's how it should be in some ways. As you guys know, I got a lot to say, uh, but actually not too much about masks today. You know, thankfully, our, our the last county in our undisclosed state finally lifted it. The school board finally felt some pressure and followed suit, and they've been mask optional as of last Friday. So feels great. Kids love it. We got to even put our uh, desk back in the tables. So it's finally like a normal school year. After break, we're going back to the cafeteria every day for lunch. So I don't have much to say about it. Again, once it doesn't affect my life as much, I have less to say about it. And of course, you know, once Biden and the State of the Union declared that they have the tools to succeed, defeat the virus, you know, as it hasn't happened for the last year, uh, the media has covered it less and less. And so now, of course, it's not the deadliest thing in the history of the world anymore. But. I'll take it. I do have one note on masks, though, Adam. You know, I have to bring it up. So, this study came out from, from Europe, actually, in Spain. Of course, you know, Spain, very corona-bro state, didn't really do much for them naturally, but they locked down, maybe wore a mask, whatever. So, there was there was a study done uh, on Catalonian kids, Catalonians in, in Spain. And so, face coverings were required for the the six year old children the intervention group, but not five year olds and they they analyzed five hundred ninety nine thousand children in school age three to eleven okay three to five years without the mass mandate six to eleven with the mandate okay and they wanted to calculate this the covid rate in schools obviously and this was during the first trimester of this school year twenty twenty one twenty twenty two okay and the dip, they so the study had children of different years different years three to five six to eleven but the uh research they were using was just students age five and age six again age five no mass age six mass required okay so the study says quote fcm mandates face covering mandates in schools were not associated with lower SARS-CoV-2 incidents or transmission suggesting that this intervention was not effective end quote okay not effective again that's the study showed this is in Spain there's been Thousands of real-world experiments done, as we know, because masks have not proven to be effective, ma- mandates especially. Uh, and they also quote, this is from the Wall Street Journal, I'll link it in the article, but from James Freeman, Wall Street Journal. Uh, he also quotes in an article from August 2020, which said, quote, the only way to ascertain the efficacy of face masks in the real world is to do randomized trials. So far, there have only been only a dozen examining the efficacy of masks in, prevent re- in preventing respiratory illnesses. Inclusions have been difficult to draw because of poor compliance by study participants end quote. So again, not that this is breaking news, but just goes to show once again, real world information, studies, observational data, whatever you want to say, all of it points to math either being not effective or not very effective, or in some cases, hurting COVID spread because people left the guard down, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So thankful it's over for now. We'll see how it goes. But you know, I I don't think I'll rest until I can until which never happened until people say yeah you know masks were never quite the answer and we probably spent too much time on them but you know what i'll take i'll take the win when i can get it at least people are finally fed up enough as our loyal listener dr Shaw said didn't think he'd be right but he's partially right because the political wins which i did not think at least in this neck of the woods would ever really change that much thankfully they have so the democrats know november is soon. They know the public is tired. They know that now that people are getting so many breakthrough cases and that people are getting it despite masking up all the time that, well, maybe it's not quite the best thing to mandate this and maybe we're not as virtuous as we thought because we're still getting COVID. And so, of course, they said, well, now it's time to lift it as if if it wasn't time last year or last summer or last fall or pretty much ever because there will always be new variants and there will always be another surge. Again, the whole point of masking indefinitely is that you know, you just don't know when the next surge will be. But again, that, that means there's never a time to unmask. But again, I digress. Biden said it's over, so the media followed suit as, you know, a free press should do. LOL. Uh, but Adam, I am done with the mask, probably for good. We'll see how it goes. But NFL news, Aaron Rodgers coming back to the Packers. Very surprising. I mean, I, I do like Rodgers. It's, it's hard because as much as I want to like him after his speaking out and things like that and and, and, and criticizing the, the coverage of covid he really is this unlikable guy. I mean, this is such a diva, man. Like, he's taken after Favre. You know, he's never happy. He wants this. He wants that. I mean, the, guy, the Packers pretty much know whatever he wanted. He's had home field advantage each of the last two years. Uh, the previous, or one of those years before that, he, two of the last three, played in the NFC Championship game. I mean, what does the guy want? The guy just scored three points. Or I'm sorry, 10 points in a playoff game. At home. At home. 10 points. So, I don't know. I mean, they'll probably lose the NFC title game again next year. But, of course, just like with anybody, he'll take a lot of money. won't be able to pay anybody else. He'll put up gaudy numbers. They won't win. They'll say it's the Packers' fault, even though, again, he's taking he's half their money. And he earned it. There's no doubt about that. But what do you want a franchise to do when you're soaking up so much of the payroll? But we'll see how it goes. Other big news, though. Denver acquiring Russell Wilson. Huge news there. Uh, AFC West, very loaded. My boy Steve said one of the teams will be in each primetime game or each or one of the three primetime games each week next year. Could be right. You got Raiders, large following playoff team, Chargers, flashy team, Chiefs, obviously will get the Max. Then you got Denver, who will get a lot more now because they have Russell Wilson, who I think is great. I think he it's easy to forget how great he is. I think he's also a diva. I think he obviously kind of didn't self-sabotage in Seattle, but, you know, was, was pouting a bit and again, took a lot of money. They can't provide you with the guys you need to take a lot of money and so I think again a lot of stats just kind of a a, a again a, a faux not faux overly positive but just kind of fake it's like you just want to you just want to hear a guy say that no we're not very good right now or say you know we got to do this he was like oh you know we're good we're a good place we got great guys in here we we feel good whatever and I don't know I also think he's very much a diva very egotistical and again faux modesty. So. Great quarterback, though. Obviously had a great career so far. We'll kind of see how it goes in Denver. And lastly, uh, another AFC quarterback Me and move, Carson Wentz, or W-I-N-C-E Wentz, as my love-hate man Skip Bayless says. going into the Commanders. The Commies acquired him this week. Interesting move for them. They really do need a quarterback. I don't think Wentz will be the long-term answer, but they do need one. Uh, and anything's better than freaking Taylor Heineke, for crying out loud. I'm surprised at Wentz, I mean, he had that great stretch in 2017 and he got hurt and he really didn't struggle because he was hurt after that. He just really didn't, um, he he really just kind of, I don't know, couldn't get it done for whatever reason. So we'll kind of see how he does in Washington. I think Washington does have a good roster, though not as good as the Colts. Division's about the same. I think Dallas and Tennessee are pretty similar in terms of Wentz went against Tennessee last year and obviously Dallas this year. So We'll kind of see, again, intriguing. I'm curious what the Colts do. They need a quarterback now, but really the draft doesn't have anybody. And Rodgers going back to Green Bay, Wilson going to Denver. As my boy Steve says, Jimmy G would be a lateral move. Could be a downgrade, honestly. I mean, I think Jimmy G's better than Wentz, but it, it's not, you know, they're very much in the similar realm. And, again, Wentz, I mean, the Colts had a great roster. Great O-line, great run game, great defense. You know, what more do you need if you're Carson Wentz? So, you know, I'm not sure how many more chances he'll get, but – Obviously, you know, when this contract's up, it'll be hard for him to get really what he wants and even be, to be a starter again. But we'll see. We'll see. But of course it is a ball of months. We got March Madness here, the varsity team I I, I coach at, or I, I'm a freshman coach with the varsity team I, I coach the staff I'm on. We got regional sweet 16, first time in eight years beat our rival who had won the previous seven sectionals so obviously a huge win double overtime friday saturday night against our rival one overtime low scoring game definitely a slug fest uh from our end just poor execution you know didn't really do a lot of stuff right offensively their end just not a lot of playmakers and we did defend well but they had you know they had limited playmakers so they weren't going to score a lot of points either way but just a heck of a game and you know that's a game where no trash talk no beating your chest you know it's not about hype it's just about getting it done and we did. Proud of the guys. And, you know, Sweet 16, we'll see if we can go from there. But great time of year. Selection show next week. We might try to get a Scoops episode here. Um Miss I'll both be out of studio. Might, might try to call in or something. But I'm intrigued. You know, conference tournament weekend is very interesting. You got a lot of bubble teams making moves. You got some big thieves out there. Uh, we'll make some picks here later on for the Big Ten tournament. But you got IU-Michigan this week. Big Ten tournament, second round. Huge game there. Uh, big East, some bubble teams. Xavier lost. By the time it went to press, that's a huge loss for them. Seton Hall's in progress. We'll see how they do. Uh, Big 12, you got TCU, who's who's safely in the field, but we'll see if they can make any moves. Uh, Oklahoma might try to get back into it. ACC, you got uh, Miami. They, they're, again, safely in as of now, but a bad loss might put them in trouble. Notre Dame, same thing. Wake lost today, so... Again, you never know. And, of course, just last year, a team went from the first four to the final four, second time ever. Now, UCLA was probably better than that. It was a weird year last year, of course. But you just never know. That's what makes March Madness great is, you know, you can get the four one seeds or three ones and a two, and it's obviously the best teams, great games. And if it's chaos, then it's just you just want to see what's going to happen next. So, obviously, I'm partial, but I think March Madness is the greatest three weeks in sports and certainly in, in American sports. There's really nothing that beats it in terms of the postseason NFL playoffs, of course, are great, but March Madness is just very unique because of the this disparities in talent, and you know, again, just, just grips the nation. But we'll see. Again, we'll make some conference tournament picks here later on. Uh, bulk of the show today, though, will be about you know what's going on in the world, Russia and Ukraine. You know, I, I, ironically, last time we recorded scoops as we went as we went public, uh, Russia started invading, and again, shout out to the Ukrainians, man, they're just any any alliance that. That NATO and and the US have and and them being able to be united, that all stems from Ukraine holding their own. If that doesn't happen, NATO is really screwed because they don't really want. They didn't want to give any weapons away at first. They didn't hit hard with sanctions right away. The first set of sanctions did nothing because that didn't prevent the invasion. So they really weren't in a good place. But as Ukraine kept fighting, they're kind of like, oh shit, I guess I guess we can kind of do some stuff now, and 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 we don't have to do we don't have to get go to combat yet as as none of those countries want to do rightfully so. So again, just Ukraine Ukraine is is you know, that's what it comes down to. Obviously, it, it is war. You know, sports are a war analogy, but it can't compare. And you think about Ukraine, life or death, they're fighting for their for their homeland. And that literally is is carrying the alliance because again, it on the US have to do less. Uh they they can see that sending weapons is not a waste. They can see that Ukraine can can quote unquote handle the fighting. So uh, obviously, I'm happy that the alliance has, has lasted, but, you know, it, it gets lost that it stems from Ukrainians' resistance thus far. It is ironic, though, Ukraine, they're, they're fighting for their homeland, they they're, have such pride in their country, which, of course, is a good thing. But ironically, it seems every country except the U.S. is allowed to have national pride. Patriotism was, like, frowned upon in the U.S. partially under the Obama years, obviously, in 2020, since the summer riots— you know, patriotism was like a poison word. So it is ironic that we rally around Ukraine's patriotism, which, again, is good. But in the U.S., you can't have patriotism. But, you know, that's besides the point. That's just kind of an aside I've thought of. But I want to get into a couple of things with, with the oil and gas. I mean, gas prices, I mean, it's just absurd. AAA came out and said that it's a new record as of this week. Highest ever gas prices on record. Uh, of course, the U.S. finally started to sanction Russian oil and gas. Europe still not because Russian oil... I think it accounts for 27% of their uh, oil in Europe. US is about 3%. Um, it has doubled, though. The the amount of barrels the US takes in and daily had doubled over the last couple of years. We'll get to that in a minute. But it, it's just, so, it's so, it's wrong on so many levels. And it just shows the failure of politicians again. So, first off, the sanctions pre oil ban were, were working de- decently. I mean, it takes time, obviously. Um, And obviously, corporations and stuff coming out and banning things is good. Um, But why didn't they ban oil right away? Well, of course, it's because they don't want to pay more for it, Europe and the U.S., and because it would screw their economy. So they really didn't want to hit hard right away, which financially makes sense. But again, you try to stop this invasion, it's a moral atrocity. Well, then do all you can right away. But the U.S. is finally doing it. Europe's not, which, again, price financially makes sense, but... Are you really going to be able to do much if you don't hit Russia where it hurts the most? Probably not. And Russia's army is is, is will probably win out in the end. So it's kind of a battle of wills here. But again, at least the US did and, and we'll kind of go from there. But the larger point is, of course, prices are soaring. And they were before oil got banned, Russian oil got banned in the US. So now of course the US is trying to get it from Saudi Arabia. They want OPEC to pump more oil. As they said earlier last or you know, middle of last year, OPEC pumped more oil. And, of course, Venezuela now, another great human rights country, is going to supply more oil. So it's ironic because this, of course, is all the name of green energy. You know, the U.S. can't pump their own oil because it's bad for the environment, and it's dangerous. Fracking is dangerous. Energy independence is dangerous. But the ironic part is they're still using the fossil fuels as energy. So apparently Russian oil and Venezuelan oil and Saudi Saudi Arabian oil is less... Pollutes the environment less than American oil. Apparently only the U.S. oil and European oil causes global warming. So number that's number one. Number two, if you say, oh, well, this just shows a need for electric cars. Okay, that's fine. I, I agree. I mean, that, that'd be nice. But A, not feasible right now. Can't make an electric car instantly. Can't make it affordable instantly. Okay. Usually, those most well-off can afford electric cars. That's why the proposed electric vehicle tax breaks and things and build back better are stupid because it benefits the rich that already can buy it anyway, and the corporations that you basically give a tax break to to offset the higher costs they have to pay to make EVs, even though they claim they're taking a moral stand. And of course, c the the mining the lithium for those cars pollutes even more, if or just as much, if not more than fossil fuels anyway. So, again, what are we talking about here? That's, that's why Democrats, I mean, my, my boy Wally is making a bracket of everything I hate. And I don't know if anybody can beat Democrats. Mass might be up there, but I, my disdain for Democrats and Democratic uh, policies came a lot more before my disdain for Mass, obviously. So, not to get too far along the rabbit hole, but, I mean, you just can't speak this kind of tone deafness into, the, in, into reality. So, a senator from Hawaii last week said, we want environmental justice. There's literally a war going on. There's a war going on where countries being invaded and you're talking about environmental justice. Talk about privilege. My boy Steve said this about how they're worried about COVID spreading in Ukraine because the evacuees aren't wearing masks. Talk about privilege. Worried about envi- environmental justice. Talk about privilege. Same thing. And again, climate change is a real thing. Obviously the planet's warming. There's many causes of that. The earth is billions of years old. Or you know, No one really knows for sure, but billions of years old, okay, fine. Of course, burning more fuels leads to a warm planet. But as my boy Adam always says, what does this mean? Okay, so should you uproot your entire economy to do something that probably won't, won't make much of an impact because A, it's man-made disaster, so it doesn't really have a man-made solution. B, China and India aren't going to do that. And C, as we just said, mining lithium and things like that pollutes just as much, if not more. And of course, D, there's other issues in the world. There's a reason climate change is not high on, people's, on voters' issues list. It's because A, they need to eat at night, B, they need reliable energy, and C, they understand it's probably a moot point because there's little humans can do to stop something like climate change, something as complicated as climate change, okay? So again, place of privilege to say that we were searching for environmental justice when a sovereign nation just got invaded. You know what Ukraine needs? Food, water, electricity, freedom. You know what Africa needs? Reliable energy. I'm all for renewables. But Europe has renewables. Guess what? They rely on Russian oil. Why? Because it's reliable. People in Africa die from using dung. D-U-N-G. Dung. So is it better they die from dung than not die currently from oil? And maybe someone dies 300 years from now because of fossil fuels? I mean, what are we talking about? And I've been waiting to do this for a while. I'm not going to delve all into it today. But... Basically, the climate change hysteria is a joke anyway, because the projections don't account for human adaptation, right? So more people are affected by climate change nowadays, or excuse me, weather disasters. Why? Because they live in those areas more. And again, cities and people will adapt to whatever the the climate issues are. They're not just going to do nothing and let their homes be flooded or, 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 you know, not prepare for an earthquake or something like that. So, again, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, but... It's just absurd. The tone deafness is absurd. Bottom line is, though, U.S. energy independence, obviously a good thing. Less European dependence on Russian oil, obviously a good thing. And back to my what I was going to say originally is gas prices are soaring. Highest levels on record. And people, most people support banning Russian oil. Uh, let me go to the poll I just saw. I just read it from Carl Rove in the Wall Street Journal, okay? <clears throat> Excuse me. So, 81% to 19% Republicans feel the U.S. should not buy oil or gas from Russia during this conflict, even if it causes American gas prices to increase. It's 80 to 20% among all voters, so very similar to Republicans and all voters. Excuse me. Okay, so that's all fine. I disagree with that. I think we should... I guess I do agree with that. It's, it's very complicated. Though, of course, I think we should stop buying Russian oil because it would hurt, hurt Russia the most. That's most important. But to what end? Again, to what end? Not a similar, not exactly similar to the COVID stuff. But also, you know, along the same lines, when does it end? Right? I'm not gonna, I, are most American consumers, going to pay higher prices for someone else's war indefinitely. Okay. And I'm not saying that getting rid of foreign oil can be solved instantly. It takes time to... Be energy independent. But as we know, since Biden took over, more regulations, less U.S. drilling, (coughs) and less... (coughs) Excuse me, it's hard going solo here, man. And less United States production of oil and natural gas. Okay, so... Yes, higher prices most people support, you know, for a time, and it is for a good cause. But when does it end? And not only that, but inflation was... Gas prices were soaring before, and that's the biggest thing. That's why inflation is so dangerous, because you don't know what market forces will cause more, a la an invasion. So you had inflation at 7.5% in last month, February, or January, excuse me, compared to January 2021. Now you have even higher gas prices. We'll see this week when it comes out what will happen. But again, if gas prices weren't already soaring, more people probably wouldn't mind. But since they were, now they're going to go even more and even more if with the U.S. ban on Russian oil. It, I mean, it, it's, it's just, it's infuriating and mind-boggling. Again, let's rely on foreign oil instead of our own because that pollutes the environment less. And the ironic part about that is Russian oil and foreign oil is not even as regulated as American oil or natural gas. So, American oil goes through stricter standards, which would make it safer for the planet. And, of course, uh, America's CO2, de- CO2 emissions have declined over the last five or six years because of fracking. But, again, let's not do that because of uh, virtue signaling. But I digress, and I digress about inflation because, as we know, it was already soaring. <coughs> excuse me. And uh, people aren't going to pay for that indefinitely. So, bottom line is November can't come soon enough. Democrats are going to get slaughtered. And, you know, they're just, I mean, they're just so out of touch. We've known this. We've known this. But, you know, it's just amazing their hubris. They beat a man who no one really liked, according to polls. And they think that they're like God's gift to governing. So, we'll see how it goes. But again, shout out to the Ukrainians. They're doing a great job. And uh, good luck with the gas pump, man. You know, try to save up. Of course, inflation hurts low, middle, and lower class the most. But again, thank you, Biden. Thank you, Biden. I do want to finish up with that real quick about that. Because Trump, President Trump, when he was in office, uh, had some comments about European reliance on Russian oil. And before I get into that, let's kind of switch gears a bit too. Discuss uh <clears throat> this whole Trump thing. Again, is Trump still president? I kind of forget because all I hear about is Trump this, Trump this, Trump this, except he's not president right now. So do I think Biden's doing fine with Ukraine? Yeah, I think he's doing okay. I mean the sanctions are good. He was wrong about the invasion, wrong about the pre-invasion sanctions, but I'm glad he's doing something. I mean it's it's a hard job. I, I think he's doing okay. NATO's doing okay as well, but you know, nothing spectacular. But again, why we why are we Giving credit to someone for doing the bare minimum, a and b, for only responding once Ukraine was standing up for themselves and 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 resisting, which no one thought they would. And why did Biden not hit the oil right away and hit the heaviest sanctions right away? So you can't ask these questions. But again, he's he's doing fine. It, I, I'm glad we're united. I'm glad we're doing what we can do. But <clears throat> I'm not going to give someone a credit. Someone credit for doing the bare minimum after waiting. For a bit to do it, but there's all this talk about Trump, and again, he's not present anymore. And I think Trump's rhetoric on Russia was horrible. Okay, Russia is our enemy. They've been for eight decades now, seven de- seven and a half decades now. Okay, uh, shout out to Mitt Romney, who correctly said in 2012 that our number one geopolitical I mean, geopolitical threat is Russia. Laughed off the stage by elitist Obama. Now, this was 10 years ago, but still, obviously, he was on something there. But anyway, <clears throat> Trump's rhetoric on Russia was not very good. But do I care about rhetoric? Do I care about actions? Okay. He armed the Ukrainians in, in in eastern Ukraine. Okay. He armed the Ukrainians. Obama didn't do that. Okay. He encouraged Europe to be less dependent on Russian oil. Obviously, as we're seeing, a good idea, an important move and he encouraged Europe to pay more for their defense. Again, obviously a good idea and an important move. So, where's the Putin cronyism? I'm confused. He armed Ukraine in their fight against Russia and the separatist regions. Encourage Europe to get more energy independent, rely less on Russia. Encourage Europe to pay their fair share. What's, I'm, I'm confused. Again, what more do you want them to do? Yeah, rhetoric's bad. What matters more, rhetoric or action? Uh, and and uh, Dr. Schultz told us that that we don't know if this is true. So, you know, the previous three things, facts, were accurate here on Scoops. This one we did not fact check yet. But Dr. Scholz said that Trump put sanctions on the Nord Stream 2 pipeline that was going to go through Germany and Biden took them off, even if that's not true. The fact that Biden has discouraged American energy independence sums it up right there. I want to read you a quote from July 11, 2018 with, with, with Trump. Quote, well, I have to say, I think it's very sad when Germany makes a massive oil and gas deal with Russia, when you're supposed to be guarding against Russia, and Germany goes out and pays billions and billions of dollars a year to Russia. So we're protecting Germany, we're protecting France, we're protecting all of these countries. And the numerous of the countries go out and make a pipeline deal with Russia, where they're paying billions of dollars into the coffers of Russia. So we're protecting you against Russia, but they're paying billions of dollars to Russia. And I think that's very inappropriate. And the former chancellor of Germany is the head of the pipeline company that's supplying the gas. Ultimately, Germany will have almost 70% of their country controlled by Russia with natural gas. End quote. Okay, so again, Trump in 2018 was saying, Europe, you probably shouldn't be so reliant on Russian energy. I rest it right there. We're seeing, obviously, right now the real consequences of that. And whatever the rhetoric, clearly not a Putin crony when... He took those actions against Russia and and tried to influence Europe against Russia like that. Plus, did the invasion happen on Trump's watch? I'm confused. If Trump was boys with Putin, why wouldn't he have done it and then know that Trump's going to stand there and not do anything and disrupt NATO and not be a united NATO because NATO didn't like Trump because he made them actually do shit with the military budget. So I'm confused by that. And I'm not saying Trump always made the right choice or whatever. He did some stupid stuff, especially with foreign policy. But autocrats respect strength. Autocrats respect strength. Has China and Russia's relationship with the US improved since Biden took office or gotten worse? You answer the question for yourself, listeners. You guys got big brains. Go ahead. <laughs> One thing I want to talk about real quick about this war as well is just this the outrage corporations are doing. First of all, I think it's wrong that we're punishing Russian citizens who not not the klept kleptocrats, the oligarchs, etc. But for example, like musicians, artists, Russian students in the U.S., I think that's wrong. They didn't start this war. They didn't cause this. I just don't think that's a fair precedent. The sanctions will hit Russia where it hurts, and that's what you have to do in situations like this. But I don't think it's really right or, uh, or will solve the problem to outlaw all Russians from aspects of society. And Putin doesn't care about it anyway. Putin doesn't care about that. All he cares about is his own self and the power he can get. That's why soldiers—he doesn't care how many soldiers die, and he doesn't care how bad the economy is because it's—it's it's only about him and his cronies. And they're—they're they're squashing dissent anyway. They're arresting anybody who's protesting out there as many as, as, many as they can. So he doesn't care how many people protest. Anyway, though. I don't like that precedent of detaining Russian citizens. Plus, it's ironic because you, you couldn't criticize China at all for COVID or in general, but especially for COVID, because you have to separate Chinese people from the Chinese government. So any any criticism of China, the government, was a reflection on the people, and that was racist. Does that make sense? So basically, if, Russian, if Russians weren't white, you couldn't, you couldn't criticize them. Plus, and this is my favorite point here, where's the faux outrage about the COVID origins. Imagine if all those corporations—McDonald's, Starbucks, Apple—where you can't even they can't even type in uh, Xi Jinping in, in, a, in the gift search to get a gift of him because they refuse to touch touch the man because he can do no wrong. But where is the outrage from those corporations and sports leagues about China, who a is committing literal who a is committing literal genocide right now? Literal genocide is committing. Okay, China is against the Uyghurs in Western China. Okay. But B uh, was the birthplace of a pandemic and withheld information for months on end and still hasn't given the full story of it. Where's the outrage at that? And the most ironic thing about that is COVID is allegedly the deadliest thing in the history of the world, according to the Corona Bros and the media and sports and academia and government, wherever else, movies, whatever. Okay. It's the worst thing in the world. It has shut down schools, no no deaths matter, no hospital injuries matter, only COVID, only COVID matters, okay? But those same Corona bros are like, oh, no, we can't criticize China. It's, 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 it's Trump's fault. It's not China's fault. They wore masks. They're, 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 they're fine. So, again, imagine the same outrage over China's covering up of the COVID origins that we have for Russia. Imagine that. Imagine McDonald's. Or, now, again, Apple, Starbucks, Verizon, uh, the NBA, CNN. Imagine all that. They demand an investigation. They demand that China open up. They pull back their investments. They sanctioned China. Imagine that. What would have happened? And imagine why didn't they? Again, apparently it's racist if someone non white, if you criticize someone who's non white committing genocide. Apparently it's racist if you criticize a government that is non white for starting a pandemic. Okay? And apparently you can only separate a nation from its people when they're non white. But besides that, you guys all know why they're not. doing it because they lose too much money and that's fine that's their right they have a right to make money that that's ironic that the double-edged sword of capital of globalism is the downfall of u.s because the country you can criticize is the one that got you rich but whatever that's their right but just like in summer 2020 right all these corporations and the nba are are, are criticizing the u.s but making getting rich off china who again is committing actual genocide as recognized by the u.n and the u.s in their country. So. Again. Why, why didn't they criticize China for that? Why, wasn't there a, why didn't they pull back. Until we got COVID answers. And again we know that. Because they would have lost money. But that's why the actions now are just. They're, they're just ridiculous. I mean it, it's faux outrage. And it's just moral virtue signaling. In this case they happen to be right. Because it is, it is good pressure on Russia. Yeah, I think it's wrong to hurt the citizens like that, particularly you know, not, not, not letting them you know not letting artists show their work or musicians perform whatever. But mob mentality in this case is actually isn't that bad because it actually is a worthwhile cause. But again, it's still it's still um, subjective, a give and take because only that only that the corporations won't lose money are they doing that? So food for thought here on scoops. I want to go to this quote here. This is from a, a, a fact check I saw last week. Okay, I pulled up here my photos app. I think it was last Friday. Okay, so Maria Bartiromo from Fox News. She she made a claim that uh, the U.S. The, the the U.S. has imported the U.S. has imported from Russia and crude oil has doubled. Uh, from 2020 okay from 2020 to 2021 it's double excuse me from 2020 to 2021 it's double okay so politifact you know that great fat checking fact checking website labeled it as mostly false okay the fact checker this is a quote from the website i got it from i'll link to the website the fact checker suggested that when crude oil imports and refined products imports such as gasoline and kerosene are combined It shows that year-over-year increase to be 28%, not 50%, end quote. Later, it says, quote, but that's not how oil imports are typically categorized. Normally, oil imports and energy imports, which include refined products, are categorized separately. The U.S. Energy Information Administration, which PolitiFact cites multiple times, shows as much by breaking down crude oil imports in a separate chart, end quote. Okay, so first off, 28 and 50 is almost close to doubling, so it's not too far off. Second, they do break it down separately, in terms of uh, crude oil and refined products. And third, okay, the fact checker admitted, quote, the U.S. more than doubled its crude oil imports from Russia to about 208,000 barrels a day in the first 11 months of 2021, from 76,000 barrels a day in 2020, end quote. So they admitted that the the barrel input importing, excuse me, the... They admitted that the importing of barrels more than doubled. Okay, so the article continues, and this is from the Blaze website. Amazingly, that wasn't enough for the fact checker to change its assessment, even while it openly admitted that Bartiromo's claim was accurate. Quote, but Bartiromo's broader point was about the extent of U.S. reliance on Russian oil, which remains fairly modest, the article went on to say. Russia accounted for only about 3% of overall U.S. crude oil imports in 2021, a 2 percentage point increase from 2020, end quote. So again, they changed what she said to say that the percentage doubled, which, first of all, if it did double. Okay, one to three percent is double, that's more. Okay. And, or, and they try to say that because it's not that much, it's a modest amount, it's wrong. But first of all, that's not what she said. She said the amount of imported oil doubled, which is true 76,000, 208,000, more than double. Okay. And even the percentage of Russia, of Russian oil that U.S. imports overall went from one to three. So either way, she's correct. But because it wasn't that much, they say she's wrong. So again, again, that just sums it up. That just sums it up, okay? Mostly false. They told it in the article that she's correct, and then they still rate it mostly false. And so what good does that do? Why, why would we not want to depend less on foreign oil? Ask yourself that question. And again, Venezuelan oil, if it if, if replaces Russian oil, fine. Whatever lowers gas prices, I don't really care. But let's go from one human rights violating country to another. I, I hope you guys have enjoyed this show because it's wearing me out, but I like it a lot and I'm getting a lot off my chest. Thank you. Comment with your best take or what you think uh, was most interesting tonight. I think it's – what I'm curious about is, is again, the China and COVID thing. Because, again, this outrage about the war, which I think is good. Imagine this outrage about COVID, which, again, allegedly the deadliest thing in the history of the world, according to the Corona Bros. But yet, no criticism of China, um, no demanding of an investigation, no sanctions, Nothing. Why not? What sense does that make? And COVID's so deadly. They always point out how many people have died of COVID than from wars. Well, then shouldn't shouldn't the response have been stronger than even the U.S. response to Russia? Or NATO's response to Russia? No, I'll be racist. Okay, think about that, listeners. All right, conference tournament picks here. ACC, uh, I got to go Duke. I know that's a chalk pick, but ACC is just not that good this year. I think Duke will be out for revenge after UNC beat them on Coach K's last home game, which I think is hilarious, by the way. Fun fact, uh, Tyler Hansborough, his freshman year, beat Duke on their senior night, J.J. Reddick's senior night, Duke legend. And then, of course, they beat Coach K on his last game. So shout-out to Carolina. That's, that's honestly unreal and, and terrible for Duke, but also kind of funny if you're a Duke hater like myself. Uh, Big Ten <clears> – <throat> Big Ten is wide open, wide open. I'm going to go Wisconsin. I think they'll have a bitter taste from losing to Nebraska at home on Sunday. I think they'll win first time since 2015. I think they would win then. Big 12, let's go Kansas. I think Kansas will beat Baylor in a rematch, round three for them. Uh, SEC, I'm going to go Kentucky, actually. I think on a neutral floor, Kentucky's the best team. In the SEC. I do think Auburn's really good, but I think Kentucky's playing slightly better right now. I think they'll get there and beat Auburn in the final. Uh, Pac 12, we'll go UCLA. UCLA. Arizona's the one seed. They won the league, they've been dominant. I think UCLA will kind of wake up a bit. They haven't played as well as I thought this year, but I think, you know, as we saw last year, they can get hot. I think their talent is still there. I think they will uh, be on a mission in the conference tournament. Big East. Not everybody played 20 games, so it's kind of a funky, the the way they did the standings, but Providence is the one. I'm going to take Villanova, though, at the two. Villanova's really owned the tournament since the Big East kind of recreated itself in 2013, so I got to take Villanova. I think they're just the best team. Providence kind of been up and down recently since a hot, hot start, so I got to take the Cats. And let's see, I think that's all of them now. So we got ACC, Big 12... Big 10, Big East, SEC, Pac-12. One seeds, so Gonzaga and Arizona are locks. They'll be one seeds for sure. I think Kansas will play their way in because they'll win the Big 12. And I only like that if Kentucky also gets one because Kentucky beat Kansas in Kansas in late January. But I think Kentucky will get in. I think they'll avenge an earlier loss to Auburn, and they will win the SEC tournament. So I think Kansas and Kentucky will round out the one seed. So Gonzaga, the number one overall seed. Uh, Arizona 2, Kansas 3, Kentucky 4 is what I think will happen. Uh, but we'll see on Sunday, just a few days away. It's a great time of year. And, again, a lot going on, but we're grateful to live in this beautiful country. God bless America. And, uh, yeah, have a great week. Stay warm if you're in a cold place. Enjoy the madness. And uh, we'll, we might put a link to our turning challenge in the bio, but those that listen are already going to be in it, so it should be fine. But uh, God's blessings to you all, and uh, enjoy the pod. As always, let us know your thoughts. And miss Post. We miss you. Be back soon. Bye.